You're listening to Bach to Bach, the podcast opening up the world of classical music, one beer at a time. And today, we are tackling warlocks. So it's January, and you might be sitting there with a cold night thinking you want a nice, thick beer. That's the word Kevin used to describe the one we're drinking today, thick beer. Um, and especially, you know, it's it cold up here in Maine, but if you're in the little town of Lakewood, New York, which is just by the Pennsylvania border, almost as far west as you can go in our home state of New York, you get to uh, this tiny little town where there's a brewery called Southern Tier Brewing. And... Uh, they, they like their flavors. They love their flavors. They love their flavors. They've done a series called the Black Water Series, which is a se- uh, it's, it's all Imperial Stouts, which we've got a few Imperial Stouts on yeah. here um, last few episodes. And the, uh, we're drinking one called Warlock. Now, they've got a lot of big flavors here. There's one called Chocolate, spelled with a K. Uh, there's one called Chocolate Orange. Um, there's a whole bunch. And we are drinking one that, how would you describe it? It's like you were saying molassesy. Yes, I tasted that almost molasses but thick, and then when I looked at the ingredient list, I figured out what it was, and it was the pureed pumpkin, and mixed yeah. it with all the malts that they use. So this, this warlock, it's and they've got cool cover art. So they, um, have, oh, see, there, there's, that's what happens when the uh, the lid falls off. Um, you're looking at a load of malts here. So we've got two row pale malt, caramel malt, black malt, Munich malt. And then on top of that, we've got we're, they're working with the uh, the Magnum Sterling hops, um, and then there's pureed pumpkin. So when you first hit it, when you're smelling it, you get the molassesy smell. Then as you're tasting it, you get the the pumpkin. Um, this is actually meant to pair with their imperial ale, which is called Pumpkin. Yes. Um, um, and that's been one of their not one of their flagship, but one of the more known beers they have released, especially in the fall. That's yeah. So. Especially and and we've all seen it with the rise of the the pumpkin ales uh, and the pumpkin beers in in, in autumn. Uh, one of the first ones being Shipyards Pumpkinhead way back in the day, and mm-hmm. even now we were just talking with our friends uh, Mark Curdo and Heather Douglas over there, and they were saying that they're you know they're seeing uh, their release times vary now because of the the rush of um, pumpkin beers on the yeah, market. It's now, now a, a very widespread. Bird beer type of beer. Heck yeah, we got to go talk with those guys over yeah. at Shipyard at some point. But yeah, we missed them. Um, so Warlock is uh, Warlock's meant to they they build as the master of the underworld right there. So they say it should be drank from a goblet. And I'll, I'll read out the uh, the uh, description here. We got dark and mysterious. The Blackwater series is a serious about uh, is serious about high gravity. Reanimate your senses with Warlock's huge roasted malt character, moderate carbonation. And spicy pumpkin pie aroma. And I gotta give it, it is, it is a huge flavor. And I, I don't know whether I would... Um, well, you were saying it's the best type of beer, so it is a 10%... It's ABV. a 10% ABV. So I, as I would say do it, and as you were suggesting, as a dessert beer. It's I don't know how many meals I would pair it with. Yeah, they... I wouldn't have multiple of this, but this is definitely a, a nightcap type of beer at, you know, at the end of a night out or... Um, if you're just enjoying company on, on end, it is the way to kind of finish off the night. Absolutely. They say, they, they recommend, these guys are good because on their labeling, they recommend what to pair it with. And as we're getting into the, as the craft beer scene's growing and um, working with a lot of eateries, it's, it's nice to know that 
there's people out there not just pairing with wines, but pairing with beers as well and seeing what complements flavors. So they have it um, pairing with spicy barbecue and roasted meats, uh, smoked foods, uh, and, and carrot cake. Now, I mean, I, I we don't have any uh, spicy barbecue here in the house, uh, oh. but I could see it with the carrot cake. I I don't know whether I would put this in the middle of dinner. It Just, I, it would, I, it, I think it would overwhelm, but it is it is a rich beer. It is uh, very it's very robust in flavor. Yeah. And so I think if it, it is something to have on its own and try it on its own, and then if you do continue to like it, maybe then try it paired with a meal. I could definitely see this in front of a fire. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely in front of a fire. So if you have a fireplace, congratulations. If you don't, start one. Um, <laughs> So, Bach, but Bach does not endorse arson. We do not endorse arson. We just endorse beautiful fires and beer drinking. Um, so usually when we, we have we pair the pieces with the with the beer, it's usually based on the type of beer or based on the the name of the beer itself. Yeah. This is and usually we try to get creative, but this time the actual the name of the beer is actually named the same name of a composer. Um, so uh, Warlock, Peter Warlock, um, was a composer. Um, Which is just a great It's just a great Peter Warlock. This is a strong last name. Um, and he wrote, he's most known for this one piece called The Capriole Suite, which if you are a string student, um, you, this is kind of one of the, the standard literature of orca, orchestral pieces that you play. Um, and it's, it's based off these, uh, this, uh, these tunes from the Renaissance period. Uh, called orchestra orchestography, basically, um, and it's a series of tunes. And rather than being long, lengthy pieces, they're range from forty-five seconds to three minutes in length at its longest. I love that. Um, it's very short little dances. Um, and Warlock's bio- uh, biographer uh, Cecil Gray um, said that if one compares these tunes with what the composer had made of them, it will be seen that to all intents and purposes it can be regarded as an original work. So even though he borrowed and based him off these Renaissance dances, this is still original music. Okay. Um, and it originally was written as a piano duet, um, but then uh, later adapted uh, in 1920. This was written in 1926. It's going to sound like it's from the 17, 1600s, um, but it was written in 1926 and then adapted for orchestra. So this is, against the, this is against the whole, I mean, this was big band, swing era. Yep, and also at the time when 20th century modern music, so Stravinsky, uh, Shostakovich, we're looking at Debussy, we're looking at the rise of French music, yep. um, really in coming into play, Foray. Um, th- we're looking at, during this time of progressiveness, he's kind of going back to his roots and, and basically thinks of this little Baroque music. Right. Um, and so uh, rather than like getting almost, uh, rather, rather than trying to get creative with it, yeah. he just kind of adapts it but still keeps the time period, so still keeping that Baroque feel. Kind of like a throwback Thursday, but for... Uh... Basically like a throwback Thursday just in bur- uh, Baroque form. And for those, Baroque period, um, uh, it was very string-centric, um, lots of lutes. Uh, harpsichord was still like the yep. piano actually wasn't invented yet um, it was originally the progression was from harpsichord to the pianoforte which is the middle ground and then what is now known as the piano and the so, harpsichord sound that they're going to be hearing they, they may not even have know that they recognize yeah. the sound but it's that how would you describe well it's basically rather than like a, a piano it's, it's you have the key it's regarded as a percussion instrument because it is a mallet hitting a string from the top Whereas a harpsichord, it's the same. You have a key, and it plucks the strings inside the piano. So it's actually sounding more like a plucking guitar sound, but done, but played as a piano. 
Um, so you're going to hear those sounds. And then if there any ever any drums, it would be hand drums. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be any timpani, percussion, cymbals, snare drum, bass drum. Um, it wasn't in existence as much. So Baroque music really held on only percussion at a very low uh, kind of elementary level. Yeah, and, so, and some of the composers that you might have heard that were Baroque, oh, obviously Bach being yep. uh, the most famous. And Bach, the... Purcell, um, we, there's... Um, and the Baroque period, like, you know, it, it definitely uh, was a time for, um, it, was ex- it was more ri- music written for two, either two types of people. There was uh, music of the, the peasants, mm-hmm. so very like, working class music, mm-hmm. and then there was royal music. music so basically Bach was a core composer, uh, he wrote for the, for the people, and then um, peasant music was much more use of lutes and dance music. Um, that it was a little more playful, uh, so it definitely had two different purposes at the time. Like Springsteen and Beyonce. Springsteen and Beyonce. Two different. Beyonce was definitely music for the Royals. Oh heck yeah! Um, so we're going to listen to the second and sixth movement of uh, of the Capriol Suite. Um, the second movement is a bavan, so it is almost a somber, sad timbre in listening to it. Um, and then the sixth movement is actually titled Sword Dance, very uplifting, very quick. Um, Some really kind of Tonal but atonal sections um, with the strings. Um, it's very fun to listen to. Uh, it's a minute in length. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's it's a lots of energy to it. Um, and when we come back, we will talk about some upcoming episodes we got coming at you. Yeah. So the Capriol Suite by Peter Warlock.
It's great, and if you want to listen to the whole thing, it takes about maybe 15 minutes to listen to the entire piece. It's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. Six movements, on, and there's other works by Warlock that are really beautiful. There's the Serenade for Strings. Uh, he, he just writes uh, in a very, I think, classic and timeless music, um, no matter uh, when you listen to it or when you think it was written. It just, it's, it's amazing music of the ages, so it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. and, I, and I didn't really know before this, to the, no. yeah, before this episode, so I'm going to go check out more of his stuff. And so we have some fun episodes coming up. Uh, next episode, um, we'll be featuring the music of... Uh, we're talking about the Amazon hit show, Mozart in the Jungle. Which I have not seen yet. And so we're, we're, that's our homework this week. And we'll be talking about that and featuring that on next week's episode. Um, and then uh, after that, we actually get to bring the OGs, the original creators of Bach to Bach, that's our it. parents, yeah. on, the, on the podcast. And we're going to be heading to some breweries in New Hampshire and kind of exploring exploring what New Hampshire has to offer on the beer scene while featuring some fun pieces to pair with it. And some fun folks. Some fun folks. Bob uh, Marriott. But Bob to Bob Marriott. In the meantime, uh, you can check us out on social media. And in the meantime, this has been another great episode of Bach to Bach. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.